Lord, wherever I am right now, Lord, touch me right there. Help me from the place where I am because, Lord, I cannot do it by myself. You told me it was by grace that I'm saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God. Lord, help me operate in the gift that you've given me. Strengthen me and, and help me along the way that I might be the, the saint, the, 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 the witness that you desire me to be. Help me to be the light that you want me to be so that I can shine out in darkness, Lord, that others might see you in me and say, what must I do to be saved? Lord, help me on today. Lord, allow your word to encourage me, to push me towards your purpose, Lord, to illuminate the path of destiny that you've designed for me, Lord. And Lord, most of all, from this destiny moment, do not allow me to leave unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before you take your seat, tell somebody next to you, say, he's turning around for you. He's turning it around for you. Go ahead and take your seat. He's turning it around for you. Oh, you just prophesied to somebody. He's turning it around for you. Oh, somebody who needs a turnaround, why don't you just stand up right quick and turn around and you can, you can sit back down. But I, I have some situations in my life that I need God. Oh, yeah, the most I need him to, I need him to, I can't say it, let me just do it. I, I need him to turn it around. Hallelujah. In fact, because I belong to God, I'm expecting a turnaround. Don't hope for a turnaround, but because I'm God's child, I'm a child of the King, I'm expecting. I wish you'd get, I wish you'd get to expectancy with me. I'm expecting a turnaround. It's not if it will happen, it's just when it will happen. Lord, give me the faith to endure, to hold on until my turnaround comes. But I came to tell somebody, it's turning around for you. It's turning around for you. It's turning around for you. Don't hope for it, but expect to turn around. Hallelujah in your life right now. In Jesus' name, it is done. Hallelujah. We believe it, we accept it, and we confess it even with our mouths. Hallelujah on this morning. We're going to the word of the Lord. We've been in Luke. I don't know, Luke's been speaking to us through this series. You can find us in Luke 19 on this morning. Again, that's Luke chapter 19. You can find us as we continue our series, The Season of Giving. Looking at Luke 19, and I believe for our purposes this morning, we'll just look at the first eight verses. Luke 19, 1 through 8. And then we're going to skip over to Malachi. Again, we're sharing from our series, The Season of Giving. And I told you this time, during this season, this is a series we've shared before, but we're doing it differently. We're going to talk about stories of the Bible. And that's what we've been doing. We talk about the sinful woman who came and washed Jesus' feet. We talked about her a little bit when we talked about he wants it all. Because God desires all that we have to give. He wants every bit of what we have. We talked a little bit on, on last week 
We were talking about what, what we owe to God. We were talking about how, how we give our best to God. And then on this week, we're going to talk about what did I take? Some of us may have taken things. And we'll get to it. I'm just wetting your appetite a little bit. May have taken some things. Maybe we need to investigate what we've taken. And the better question is, did God authorize what I took? Luke 19 verse 1 says, He entered Jericho, talking about Jesus, and passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. If you'll follow me over to Malachi very familiar passage from Malachi 3, and we'll go look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? So say the word contributions with me. Contributions. We're going to talk about that. And our thought for this morning, again in the series, The Season of Giving, what did I take? What did I take? When I looked at this particular story, the story of Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector, and the tax collectors were known to be fraudulent. They were known to rob people. They were known to take things that didn't belong to them. And I know you feel a certain way about that because if anybody has taken something that belonged to you, you, you feel a certain way about that. I might say that you might feel a non-Christian way about that. Come on, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to love somebody who you know has wrongfully taken. I thought I had a few witnesses in here who, who've wrongfully taken something from you. But when I begin to think of how, what taking looks like, and before we put, pour too much judgment upon little Zacchaeus, it, it took me to Malachi. My mind went to Malachi, and it, it said, will a man rob God? And when I ask the question, and when, when God is the one who's responding in the text there in Malachi, he said, yes, you have robbed me. You, meaning us, meaning us all. He didn't say some of us. He said you, meaning all of us. 
we have robbed God. And, and you guys can, you can relax. I'm not going with this the way you think I am. He said, yes, we robbed him in tithes and offerings, in our giving. But it made a specific concession in the text that I, I never looked at until I was looking at it here. It said tithes and contributions. And I was wondering, why, why would it separate those two things? And what it means there, it's not just the money. It's other things that we owe God wherein we have robbed him. Yes, it, it is speaking of money. But there are other things that we owe God other than our money. We like in the Pentecostal church to put it in, give you the three T's, the, the time, the talent, and the treasures. We like to say it that way. But it does succinctly speak to things that we do owe God. We talked about the time, the treasure. We talked about, yes, we owe God 10% of our increase that we are responsible for. And I, I'll say it this way. My short sermon on that is right here. You cannot be blessed over God's curse. Because he said in that same text, because you have robbed me of the tithes, you are cursed with the curse. So, yeah, you can go ahead and get Peter Popoff's uh, Miracle Spring Water. And you can sprinkle it on everything in your house. And you can wait for your $30,000 check. But Peter Popoff cannot bless you over God's curse. Someone talk to me now. He said you're cursed with a curse. There is a gap. There is a hole that you'll often find in your finances if you're not giving God that which he is owed. And you can relax because I'm going to leave it right there. When we talk about tithes, our, our tithes, our, our money, our, our treasure. But where we most often rob God, I find not to be as much our treasure, but our tithes. That's where we really rob God. Talked to you a couple Sundays ago about if you're really committed to God, you give him your time. But how many of us, we rob God of his time, of the time that we owe to God? If we love him, we will give him freely of our time. But the thing about time, I find out the time, and the same thing with money, is you have to be purposeful in your financial giving. And you have to be purposeful in giving God of your time. If you're not purposeful, it simply will not happen. See, many of us, we have good intent, but we're not intentional. We have good intents, but we're not intentional. And there is a difference. Because I doubt that there's anybody in here who has the mindset that I'm not going to give God what he is due. Nobody's thinking, I'm going to, it's not your intent to rob God of your time or of your treasure or of your talent. You don't do that with intent, but your lack of being intentional causes you to rob him. What do I mean by that? As a young man, I remember... I was thinking there, and this is before all of this online giving and text to give and Givelify and cash app and all of that. I remember thinking as a young man, and I said, Lord, if you, if you allow me, 
I, will give, I want to give you more. I want to be a bigger blessing. I want to be a blessing to people. Sometimes I see people who are hurting. I want to be a blessing to people. I see people who just need a little bit more, and I say, Lord, I want to be a blessing to people, and I want to do things for the church, and not just our church, but I want to do things for other churches. And then I got to a place where I was in a service, and, and I desired to give, but you know what? I didn't have a check with me. I didn't have cash with me. And they didn't do online giving at that time. It was a while back. So I could not give, so I did not give. And God told me after that, he said, you missed an opportunity. He said, I wanted to bless you in giving, but because you were not prepared, you missed your blessing. When he said that to me, and I, and I thought about it, I was like, many of us, sometimes we take on a victim mentality. But Lord, I didn't have my checkbook. But Lord, I, I didn't have cash with me. Why, why, how did I miss my blessing when I, you know I didn't have that? He said, Larry, you were not intentional. You know you were going to church. You know they were going to have an offering. If you were intentional, you would have been prepared to give. But because you were not prepared, you missed that blessing. And, and, and I began to th think about it. Yes, I had great intent, but I was not intentional. And my failure to be intentional is how I miss that blessing. So I had to pray. I said, Lord, help me to be more intentional. I, I, I didn't pray the, the basic prayer. Sometimes on the micro level, it's like, Pray, Lord, just make sure I have my checkbook with me next time. No, I, I was praying on a planning level. Lord, help me in my mindset to be more intentional. Not just about that, but about other things. Help me to be intentional. And, and this is not going to just help you spiritually, but this is, I'm, I'm, I'm blessing someone here with this. This is going to bless you naturally. Something I like about Stephen Covey, one of the things that I read that really sticks with me that I, that I attempt to practice on every day is that he talked about the quadrants of working. Some of us, we, we work in different quadrants. And he said one quadrant, which many of us work in, is the firefighting quadrant. And that's what we, we just respond when a crisis happens. And that's what firefighters do. They respond when a crisis happens. The problem with firefighting is that you can get stuck in the firefighting quadrant and never do any planning. You're just waiting for something to happen. I'll give you the example. I think I've shared it before. There were two men walking in, in, in Africa along the riverbank, and, and one man saw people beginning to float down the river that, were, that needed help. And he saw the people coming, and he jumped in the water, and he brought the man to the shore. And then he looked, and he saw another man, and he jumped in the water, swam to him, and brought him to the shore. And while he was doing that, he suddenly realized the partner that was with him had disappeared. And then at some point, he realized he didn't see any more people floating down the river. What happened? He runs into his partner. He said, what did you do? He said, I was out here. I'm out of breath, and, and I was swimming to save these people. He said, you notice no more people came down the river. He said, I went to help fix the bridge. 
The problem with many of us is we're swimming trying to save situations and problems in our life, and we're tired and we're exhausted, and and we're out of breath and we're out of time, and, and we're tired every day because we spend all our time firefighting and none of our time planning. Let me give you this. Stephen Covey puts it this way. He's, we need to spend less time in the firefighting quadrant, and we need to spend more time in the quadrant where we do things that are important but not yet urgent. When you're firefighting, you're doing things that are important and urgent. They have to be done right then. But he said if you spend more time in a quadrant where it's very important but it's not yet urgent, then you don't have men drowning down the river because you've already fixed the bridge. What I'm telling you is that we need to learn to be more intentional with our time, more intentional with our treasures, more intentional with our talent, in our giving, in our prioritizing our time. We need to be more intentional because if we're not, we'll find ourselves like me at the church with no checking, no checkbook and no cash and missing my blessing because I was not intentional. We need to learn that we need to be intentional because in not doing that, we rob God. And the thing about it is, because we are responsible to God for our time, our intentionality needs to bleed over to other places. You can't just be intentional at church and not be intentional at work. Because if you don't have balance, you'll rob God with your work when he needs some of that time. Somebody look at somebody and say, God wants your time. He he wants your time. He wants your time. I keep saying it's more valuable. Your time is more valuable because it's not replenishable. You can't go get your time back. I told people I'd rather give people my, time, my, my money than my time because I can get my money back. Come on now. It, I, I don't need you to tell me a 20-minute story as to why you need $20. Why don't you save me the 20 minutes and I'll go ahead and give you the $20 because I can get the $20 back, but I can't get my 20 minutes back. Come on, talk to me now. Uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down to my real folks. You ever had somebody give you a really long story that ended with them just needing some money? And you were like, well, if you had just told me on the front end, I would have just given you the money, and I wouldn't have wasted a half hour on your story because I can't get my time back. Can't get it back. The same is with God. We have to value giving God our time, so you have to be intentional about it. And see, this is what some people do. And this is lazy. This is laziness. When people say, I don't have time to come to church. I don't have time to give my time to God because that's my only leisure time. That's lazy. I can tell you right now, those people are not intentional. Because if you're intentional in prioritizing your time, you can still have leisure activities and give your time to God. The only reason you cannot is because you're not intentional enough. You have to be intentional in your planning. I'm telling you, that's how we rob God. That's how we take time from God. We take it from him. And then often our talents, we 
many of us have talents and many of us, we express our talents at work. And sometimes we give our talents so much to work that we don't want to invest it in giving it to God. We don't, we don't invest it in giving it to God. We, we use it at work for the purposes of those who employ us, but, but we don't invest it in giving it to God. Some of you all are great conversationalists. Some of you all don't meet any strangers. But, but how many of you expend some of that talent witnessing about God's goodness? Oh, oh, we are. Some of you are great organizers. But how many of you are using those organizing skills in the church or, 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 or in a purpose or maybe e- e- even in, in invest, giving that to someone else and blessing someone else with those talents and with those gifts? God gives us all talents. He gives us all gifts. But how many of us invest those talents in giving them to God? Because God is the author of increase. If you have talent, it's because God gave it to you. There's nothing you have that God did not give you. So in investing what God gave me, sometimes I unintentionally rob God. I take that from God. I don't give it to God. We often, we, we, we sing the song, my, my hands, my ears, my, my voice, my eyes. I, Lord, use them as you please. Do you really? But do, do we really? Do we, do we just sing it or do we really give it and invest it to God? So we allow him to use our gift. And let me tell you, you don't just do it at church. It's not just at church. You, 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 spend, you spend less than 20% of, of each week at church. You think God wants your talent for the 5% of your week that you're at church and doesn't want it for the other 95% that you're not here? Why would God give me a talent if I can only maximize 5% of it? He expects me to use it every day. He expects me to invest it every day. In fact, it's up to us when we don't do it because it goes back when we don't do it is because we're not intentional enough. We're not intentional enough. Our voices ought to be heard even in the community. Use our voices for God in the community. Because often we find that the forces of evil seem to be not better than us, not more powerful than us, Not more numerous than us, but they're more organized than us. Come on now. There there are things you hear on the news all the time, and you're saying, oh, that's ridiculous, and and that's silly. But it's not the power. It's the organization. It's the intentionality. I was reading on, on my wife actually brought this to my attention. It was a a group, a, a satanic group that decided that it was going to start meeting at the school where my sons went to, the elementary school, where my sons attended in Memphis when they were there. They were meeting after school, a satanic group that doesn't, it says Satan in in the title of the group. Those who follow Satan, they're meeting after school at an elementary school. In Memphis. 
When I saw that, I was like, Lord, how? How did this happen? They don't have more authority. They don't have more power, but they're more organized. And now people are mad and trying to respond after they're firefighting instead of being intentional. And a lot of things creep into your life when you're not being intentional. Oh, come on now. You don't, you don't invite sin in, in the back, in the front door, but, but your failure to secure the back door allows it to slide in. And before you know it, you're, you're overwhelmed in a fault, not because you don't have good intent, but because you're not intentional. My Bible says watch. Come on, talk to me. My Bible says watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. God is telling us and teaching us that we have to be intentional. Because baby, while you're not guarding the area where you're most weak, Satan is fully aware of your weakness. He's fully aware of your weakness. Paul was saying, I, 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 I die daily, but he, he said, I, I'm struggling with myself. But he said, you know what? I put on the whole armor of God. I, I, I'm being intentional because I know I'm going to have to fight today. Point at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to fight today. You're, you're, you're going to have to fight today. In fact, you ought to wake up in the morning and point, look at yourself in the mirror and say, we're going we're to have to fight today. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to fight today. Got my, I, I got my breastplate of righteousness on because we're gonna have to fight today. I, I have, I have my feet, my loins girded. I, I have my sword of the spirit. I have the shield of faith, and I'm prepared because we're gonna have to fight today. Oh, come on now. Some of y'all get knocked out because Trudy came and she started gossiping about you as soon as you got to work, baby. You weren't ready. You are ready. I told you you're going to have to fight. Sally gave you the side eye, and now you're about to be re ready to fist fight somebody. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. Your boss made a little sarcastic remark, and you almost slapped him. But, but, but it, it happened because you weren't ready. You weren't ready. And I know y'all people who deal with folks. Come on now. You got people in your face all day? Oh, come on now. You know, you need a, you need a double portion of the Lord's spirit to, uh, uh, each morning because you're going to have to fight. Y'all just write that on the mirror if you're in your bed. You're going to have to fight today. There, there, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some resistance. Baby, you're going to have to fight today. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? You didn't mean to cuss them out. <laughs> you have good intent, but you weren't being intentional. So that's how it happened. Oh, let me talk to, to some of y'all real, think y'all super safe folks. You didn't do it in your mind. You didn't have mean to have evil thoughts. You didn't say it, but you thought it. And, and my Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. <laughs> my man looking on the outward appearance, God looking on the heart. 
You, you didn't mean to think it in your mind, but it crept in there, not because you were a bad person, not because you had bad intent, but you just weren't intentional. So being intentional means I need to prepare myself for battle in the morning. And how can I prepare with my only, if I didn't practice with my only offensive weapon? I got the sword of the spirit. How am I going to exercise and use this sword? But I need to put my Bible in my hand. And, and I'm, I'm going to need some word today. If we don't daily equip ourselves for, for the battle that is coming, we're not being intentional in this fight. And sometimes we lose. Not for lack of equipment. Not for lack of support. Not because God is not with you, but simply because we were not intentional. So we get to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, and I, I'm finished. Zacchaeus had allowed sin to creep into his life. I'm sure he started off as a good tax collector and doing the things that he should do. But, but what he did is he, if you get enough, enough peers doing the wrong thing and you associate with them, you, you begin to renegotiate in your mind what is right and what is wrong. Come on, y'all. Y'all can be real with me. You, you begin, well, he, uh, this is how your mind works. Well, well, he's taking an extra 10% and putting it in his pocket. I'm not doing as bad if I just take an extra five. You know, I, I, at least I'm not. See, that's how, that's how your flesh works. I, I'm, you always find somebody to compare yourself to other than God. You, you, you're not saying, what would Jesus do? You're saying, well, what would my coworker do? And if I'm not doing as bad as them in our renegotiating our salvation, we begin to think, well, I, I must be all right. It's kind of like what I tell my children when, they, when we go to the beach, and, and they all know this. When we go to the beach and you, and you go out in the ocean a little bit, I said, baby, the main thing I tell you is don't be deeper than the deepest person. Let there always be somebody who's further out than you are. So if something comes for them, you don't have to be faster than the animal. You just got to be fat. Come on. You just got to be faster than me. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. Don't get any deeper than the deepest person. And some of us, that's how, that's how we set our morality. I, I'm in the water. I, I'm in it. But I'm not as far out as they are. So I, I, I'm going to be all right as long as I don't get any further out. And, and I imagine that's how Zacchaeus slid into the place where he was, that he was renegotiating his morality and got to a place where he was deeper than he wanted to be. And, and, and he realized he was too deep, Brother Chuck, because he wasn't very tall. And the water began to get close to his head. And he said, I must find and see somebody about this. So then he heard about Jesus. <laughs> he, he heard about him. He didn't know about him, but he, but he heard about him. And faith cometh by. Oh, yeah, something was activated in his spirit when he, when he heard that Jesus was coming. So then he goes out into the crowd, and because he's so deep in his own mess, he can't see over it, so he has to climb into the sycamore tree. And I'm wondering, and I'm asking this, this, this question, and 
Uh, you don't have to answer, but how high do you have to crawl to get out of your mess? Uh, Zacchaeus, he, 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 he was, he was on, on, on the literal level, he was climbing a tree to overcome his, his height disparity. But, but in another level, he was climbing the tree to come out of the situation that he'd allowed himself to fall into because he was trying to get a little glimpse of hope that I can be better than where I am right now. I'm just trying to get better. Somebody who's with me, just say, let me say, I'm just trying to get better. I, 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 I don't have to explain to you my whole testimony, but just know as long as I'm breathing, I'm trying, I'm trying to get better. I may not have been great when I started on yesterday, but, but today I, I, I'm just trying. I'm a, Y'all help me. I'm trying to get better. Don't worry where you saw my car last night. Uh, I'm in church this morning because I wish I had a witness online somewhere. I'm just trying to get, oh yeah, I'm trying to get, get better. Don't worry what my attitude was on yesterday, but, but, but today is a new day and, and I'm just trying, I wish I had some help here. I'm trying to get better. to get better. I'm trying to get better. I can imagine some people saw Zacchaeus as he was walking by. And Zacchaeus, some of them were judging him. There goes that tax collector. There goes that thief. But I imagine another reason that Zacchaeus wanted to get in the tree. He said, because I want to stop hearing who I used to be. Because I'm trying to get better. And some of y'all are among some folks right now. And as long as you stay there, you're always going to have what you always have. And you're always going to get what you always got. But if you're trying to get better, you might need to climb up in the tree and visualize a better you. I want you to get that. I'm trying to visualize a better me. I'm trying to see things on a different level. I've been looking on the same level and I've been doing the same thing, but I'm trying to see a better picture of who I can be. And the first thing that might need to change in your life is not how other people see you, but how you see yourself. I remember when Jacob, when he was wrestling with the angel, the angel wrestled with him and he said, I won't let go until you bless my soul. And the angel told him, he said, because of this struggle, because you have authority, because you have power, he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob. He said, but you'll be called Israel because you have favor with me and you have favor with God. But I began to think about who was the first person that needed to stop calling him Jacob. It wasn't his mother. It wasn't his brother. But when he looked himself in the mirror, he needed to call himself by a different name. And some of y'all in here, you're in the same place. You're on the same level because you're calling yourself by an old name. But God said, somebody say, God said, you are blessed and highly favored. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. You're a lender and not a borrower. And that you're more than a conqueror through him.
sycamore tree look at somebody next to you and say what's your sycamore tree he had a sycamore tree Moses had a burning bush we all have points in our lives where we begin to see things different but it doesn't matter if you see things different if you don't see yourself different you don't see yourself there. Because opportunity is meaningless if we still think of ourselves in the old way. You know how some of us think of ourselves? You ever been in a dream? Things are happening all around you. But it feels like you're stuck and you can't move. You can't talk. It's like you're looking at your hands and but you can't move. And you're in the middle of a situation and it's almost like you're observing it, but you can't do anything about it. You feel helpless. You're in the right place, but you're helpless to make any changes. And as long as the devil can make you feel that way, it don't matter where you are. No matter where you are, if you, he makes you feel helpless, if he makes you feel powerless, if he makes you feel like you can't make a change. I've, say, I've shared it before. There's hard, I can't think of anything more powerful than a changed mind. When your mind changes. You remember the prodigal son? His location didn't change until his mind changed. What did the King James Version say? He came to himself. 
In other words, it's almost like he was in that dream and he was having an out-of-body experience. His body was in a place where it could make a change. But for some reason, he couldn't do it. But when he came to himself, he said, I don't have to stay here. <laughs> I don't have to stay here. His mindset was, I don't have to stay here. Oh, oh that's a powerful mindset. And, and, and I want you to get this because some of you are saying, I'm still there. Well, let me give you the power of a changed mind. You can be in a place that you know you won't always be. But your attitude changes when you know you don't have to stay there. <laughs> let me give you this in a humorous way. One of my favorite series, I love Chris Rock. And he had this series called Everybody Hates Chris. I invite you to go look at it again and find it. It's, it's hilarious. But his mother's name was Rochelle. She was Tachina Arnold for the Martin people. She played Pam. But she was the mother in this series, but her husband worked several jobs and basically took care of all the bills. So in her mind, and we're talking about mind, she didn't have to work. She would go to work but she didn't have to work. And she would let everybody at her job know, I don't need this job. Her mindset was, I don't have to stay here. So she'd stay at the job and she'd do it, but if somebody really got on her nerves, she'd be like, I don't need this job. My husband got three jobs. And sometimes she'd leave. I'm not encouraging you to just leave your job. But what I'm saying is the mindset makes a difference. I can be a place where I know I'm only going to be here just for a little while. I'm passing through here. I don't have to stay here. So no matter what it is, you can deal with a lot of mess when it's for a short time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. I, I'm walking through the valley. Because wherever I am, whatever situation you're in, I'm telling you, baby, you don't have to stay there. God is with you. His goodness and mercy, they're following you. Go ahead and cheer up. Go ahead and smile. Whatever you're dealing with, baby, just hold on for a little bit longer. You don't have to stay there. If you believe that, come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, for those who have heard this word, Lord, you touch them right now. No matter how deep they are in their situation, let them know that even metaphorically like Zacchaeus, they can climb the sycamore tree and find a better vision of themselves. Because the first thing that changes is not their location, it's not their circumstances, but it is their mind that changes first. Lord, help us to appreciate the power of a changed mind. Lord, as we go through this week, Lord, help us to use that changed mind to also be a blessing and encouragement to somebody else. Let somebody else know that it doesn't always have to be like this. 
but through the power of God, you can cause a turnaround in their situation right now in Jesus' name. Lord, how, Lord, let us live with that expectation, Lord. Lord, I'm not hoping for a turnaround, but Lord, I'm expecting a turnaround in my situation so I can live by faith, knowing, Lord, that you are directing my path and you're guiding me along your way. And Lord, we praise God for you doing so in Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you live with faith and the expectancy of God to turn your situation around until we shall see you again. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fire. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.